Please pray with me, please. Father, how we thank you for this new day. How we thank you for the beauty of your creation that surrounds us. Thank you that we're part of that creation. Thank you that you created it not only for our health, but that we might enjoy it. So help us, Lord, to, to enjoy every aspect of your creation. Please be with us this morning with the, the services, with the Sunday schools, with the, with the teens, with the young people, everywhere. Everything that's going on with our church family today. Please be here. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to touch our hearts today and we just patiently await your presence. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. You want to take the the dollar bill collection this morning. We, one of our regulars, Tim. Yeah. Tim is gone with. Uh, uh, I I can't remember when. Maybe yesterday was a graduation. I think so. Andrew's graduation, and uh, he and Christine will be there with. With all three boys, and I don't know who else, but. What an exciting time it has to be to, to see a, a son or a daughter graduate from college. I want to back up just a little bit because I kind of left off in the middle of some verses. But Isaiah, and we're in chapter 6, and... I want to back up to verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. I think it's so, at least for me, so important to understand what's happening here. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs off the altar. And he laid it on my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. In his humility, Isaiah regarded his unworthiness to be in this very close association with God that he now found himself knowing that he, like all of us, is a sinner. 
and therefore not worthy of finding himself in such closeness with the Lord. If it wasn't for Jesus and his love for us, how many of us could feel comfortable being so close to the Lord as Isaiah found himself? Without his words, he knew, excuse me, with his words, he knew that he had offended God. How about you and me? Have we spoken the language of unclean lips? Unclean lips reflect an unclean heart. And our hearts are what we will be judged by. And I mentioned the first thing or habit of mind that God had me change was my language. It wasn't easy for an ex-Marine sergeant to change so drastically. But he made it so clear. Now the angels, in, in this case the seraphim, celebrated the purity and holiness of God in their conversation. How can we compare with the angels that serve God? Is our conversation pure? Does it reflect a heart filled with faith, as we like to claim? We need to be so very concerned, no, more than concerned, terrified that one day by our words we shall be justified or condemned. We also, like Isaiah, live with people of unclean lips. And rather than doing our best to convince others of their sinful words and habits, we tend to just let it go, unmentioned. Many in Isaiah's day had learned the way of the ungodly and spoken like them unknowingly or uncaring about the judgment they would soon face. We know that Isaiah saw an example of God's glorious majesty as a king and lord of hosts. And such a view should affect not only his associates, but we too, with an unbelievable sense of reverence and humility. Well, we're not called today to be prophets. If we truly want to serve God, we must be sure to humble ourselves before God and be deeply honest and sensitive of our weakness and our unworthiness. Remember, except for the worthiness of Christ, what bad condition we would be in. Now, can you imagine the excitement as well as the initial fear that Isaiah felt when he saw one of the seraphim, remember, with the six wings, three that covered his eyes, two that covered his eyes, two that he flew with, and two that covered his feet. And their duty was to attend to God. 
but he saw one leave God's presence, his very work that he was supposed to be doing, fly to, a, to the altar, retrieve a live coal, and fly to Isaiah and touch his lips. That ember was not meant to cauterize his lips, but to cleanse. Not to hurt, but to heal. Then the fantastic words of the seraphim, Lo, this has touched thy lips, that you may be assured that thy iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Now remember, just briefly before this, he had seen Jesus on the throne. And here, he is being cleansed of his iniquity and purged of his sins. Something that most people wouldn't be allowed to enjoy until the time of Jesus. But he had already seen him. His unclean lips were now clean. And his unclean heart was cleansed also. Is it any wonder after that that Isaiah was able to say, here am I, send me. Isaiah's mission was renewed. Although it was a melancholy and fear-filled mission, as he went to bring God's message of wrath to Israel, God's chosen people. Please notice that he went without fear of his personal safety or esteem on the mission God had for him to accomplish in God's name. He knew in his heart that wherever God sent him, whatever God's message might be, whatever the dangers, that God would fully instruct him, would fully be with him, and by God's authority, he would be able to speak for God to an unfaithful people. Isaiah's love for the nation of Israel was only superseded by his love for God. And he said, and this is the Lord saying, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. Isaiah had offered himself to be God's messenger by saying, Here am I, send me. And now God is taking him up on his promise saying, Go. So I asked Sherry to play Go tell it on the mountain this morning. For all of us, go. That's the action verb. Don't just sit there and, and, and relish in our newfound respect for God. Go. Do what he calls you to do. Amen. 
when we read this, I think we should be amazed that God would send Isaiah to his chosen people to foretell them of their approaching ruin, knowing that they would not understand the gravity of this message. This same condition was repeated over and over again during the years which Jesus would spend with the Jewish people. And how evident is this situation today when so many just do not understand? Many just refuse to even hear the truth. God alone knows why. And you touch on it in verse 10. Sometimes, perhaps you also, but sometimes I get a little bit upset and angry with people that won't hear the word, people that don't understand. But then I have to realize I can't change their hearts. They hear and say and understand what they want to. We can pray for them, but I, I shouldn't get upset at them for not understanding. The prayer is that one day God will touch their heart and they will understand. The conversion of sinners is their healing. And a right understanding is necessary for both their conversion and their healing. And sometimes God, in a way of judgment, just gives sinners up to blindness, blindness of mind and their delusions because they would not receive the truth with the great love that it was given. God wants us to obey him with loving hearts. Some teach with fear. I, I'm on the other side of the coin there that we must learn to, to love him and serve him with loving hearts. Many people, and I'm not judging at all, many people will say the sinner's prayer and come to a new relationship with God through Christ out of fear. Fear of hell was not, not an issue. I don't know why, but it just wasn't for me. What brought me was his great love. A love I don't think I still under, understand. Who can understand such an unconditional love? That he would send his son to die for me, to die for each one of us. Sometimes we think it's just for all of us. 
But when you have a real personal relationship, you realize that it was for you, for you alone, for each one of us. God wants us to obey him with loving hearts, willingly and not forced. The desire of our hearts, not the fear of bodily injury or the torment of our souls. Help us, Lord, to hear and understand and bow to you in joyful gratitude. Amen. Then said I, and now this is Isaiah speaking. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord hath removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. First of all, can you hear the concern of Isaiah in his voice when he says, Lord, how long will this punishment last? Will it be forever? Is this the end of your chosen people? Understand, he's not arguing with God, just showing his love for Israel and his hope for their eventual restoration. He would do whatever God instructed him to do, no matter what the outcome. He was a true prophet. But still in his heart, he wanted to see some relief for the disobedient nation and people he loved so much. Think of that today and the people that we love so much, how we want them to understand and hear and come to a saving knowledge of God through his Son. The first destruction would come at the hand of the Chaldeans or Babylonians. And the final destruction of Israel would come at the hands of the Romans. And we don't think of this often, at least I haven't, but that was after the total rejection of the Messiah. You know, some I remember right, some 70 years after Jesus, the Messiah, Rome completed the destruction of Israel. God means what he says. And his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Just to mention here the Babylonian captivity, when the few remaining people that had not been slain were taken captive to Babylon. They went there for 70 years. In God's direction to Israel, concerning the use of the land, he called for letting the land lie fallow, not planted and harvested, every seventh year. For 700 years, Israel had refused to follow this rule of letting the land lie fallow. Now you can read this in Leviticus chapter 25 where he talks about the necessity to leave the land fallow every seventh year. God called this a Sabbath for the land. For the 70 years of captivity, the land lay fallow. Again, God's will was and will be done. But yet it shall be a tenth, and it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree, as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves. So the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. God told Isaiah, and he tells us that a tenth, a tithe, a remnant would be saved, would return to their homeland. Now there's some, perhaps confusion, as to whether he was talking about the tenth of the people a remnant of the people that were left behind that didn't go into captivity or those that went into captivity, which again was about a tenth of the population. A tenth is a tithe and it belongs to God. This was a consolation for the prophet and had to be of great joy to him that his warnings to his people would not be totally dismissed, wouldn't be lost eternally, but some would hear and repent and be preserved. Just as the trees have lost their leaves for the winter, you can see the nakedness out there, there remains life within the tree and the promise of new life in the spring. To see this promise, I brought a couple branches here. Don't look like much, do they? Just a little while ago, they lost their leaves. If you'll take a look and pass it around, you'll see that there are buds on the branches. Now, I was a forestry student, and so this is a lesson in botany and, uh, and plant science. But where the leaf attaches to the limb, 
It's called the axiom. Here's a little budge here. Now, before the leaf fell, at what we call the axiom, where it touched the branch, that bud had already formed. That's God's promise. In their natural world out here, that's his promise of spring. In, in springtime, we'll see that bud actually blossom before new growth comes up from, the, from that bud. When I prayed earlier about the creation around us and enjoying the creation, I hope you'll start to see, like I've seen for years now, the promise. You know, I came up on vacation one, one Christmas, and I forgot that uh, Connecticut in the Christmas time in November and December and January is gray. It's like the sun doesn't even come out. And uh, I won't say I was depressed because, of course, I was up here to see my family. But it bothered me. Why would I leave Florida in the sunshine every day to come up to a dark, dreary place like Connecticut? I had a hard time seeing the beauty of creation out there but I see it now. I see the promise out there of spring. Soon I'll start my countdown uh, at the uh, winter solstice. From then down, I start counting down 90 days. I mark it on my calendar. I don't see 90 more days of, of winter I see only 90 more days till spring. I've told you before, I'm an incurable optimist. My, my message of doom is not my message, it's Isaiah's. But there's the promise of new life, the spring. And also, if a tree's been cut down, Come spring, there'll be sprouts from the stump that will come up. Another promise of spring, of new life. And I obviously feel that, that both are examples of God's message of renewal and restoration for us. Isaiah knew that his labors, his words, were not to be in vain. There was an encouragement there from God, from the Lord, to Isaiah. And this should always be an encouragement to pastors, evangelists, that even just one soul saved makes their efforts for God worthwhile. Some, some feel that they're 
responsibility to bring people to Christ is, is so great. And some of them feel like they're failing at that. But that's God's work. Just like those, just like those buds on that branch. That's God's work. And uh, we, have to, we have to believe that God will honor our efforts, especially our pastors and evangelists, missionaries. Okay. Isaiah submitted himself entirely to God after he was purged by saying, here am I, send me. Once again, I ask for your prayers for me that I too am cleansed so that I can continue to share God's words and his living word, Jesus, with you. Purified so that I can truly represent God who is pure and holy. Amen. We're going to take up Isaiah chapter 7 next. And if we have the desire and the time to read chapter 7, you'll have some idea of where we're going next. Now, I'm done a little bit earlier than I planned. Uh, my original thought was to open it up for, for any critique or comments or, or like that. I... I don't want to be so brash as to ask if you've heard from God, but uh, any, any comments at all about this study of Isaiah? Pastor, I have to tell you, since you're a little tardy here, <laughs> one of the things I shared with everyone today was that this branch of a tree out there looks so naked but the leaves that were on there a little while ago each one before it fell formed a little bud at the base of the leaf that they call the axiom that's God's promise of the spring of the renewal of the restoration That, that, was a, that was a gem from my forestry days. <laughs> I just add that I was so, so excited about forestry that uh, I learned here in New England every tree. I knew it in a in the summer, with its leaves on, I knew it by its leaves. I knew it in the winter by its shape and by its bark. My, my, uh, my growing up, much of it was spent alone outside in, in, in nature. I didn't understand God yet, but I was learning of his creation. And I mentioned in my prayer that we 
need to be so thankful for being part of his creation that he created for our life. You know, without the trees and the grass, you wouldn't have much good air to breathe. The product of photosynthesis is oxygen. That's where it comes from. You, and uh, so that for our health, but also, I truly believe he's such a good God. He did it for our enjoyment that we could look out there and enjoy the beauty of his creation. I hope you all feel it and understand my, my love for, for what we're doing here. And it's been such a, such an intense time for me in this study to know Isaiah, <coughs> excuse me, and how God was speaking through the prophets. It's been such an exciting time. Looking forward to many more chapters. Pastor?